the Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC on ESPN Plus 39 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Happy Halloween. Hot air hangs like a dead man From a white oak tree People sitting on porches Thinking how things used to be Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is work you can find over at MMA Junkie as well as linemovement.com. But on this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight, as I am recording this Thursday night on West Coast Pacific Time, uh, Pacific Time for a show that's specifically going down in my backyard here in Las Vegas, UFC on Vegas 12. That's right, UFC of Fight Night 181 now, UFC on ESPN Plus 39, UFC Halloween, as I may have may not have used the intro, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> The usual Dark Knight intro. Maybe I'll sneak in another song here. As uh, We're going to be breaking down that card from top to bottom. Of course, as per usual, folks, check the timestamps you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for the five-star ratings. been seeing more of those. Uh, Got to check if there's any reviews to accompany those. Either way, I appreciate you. Or if you're listening on YouTube, the YouTube version of this, you can give the video a like. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. If you have not already, Daniel Tom MMA and... Uh, you know, let's just check the show notes for both for the timestamps where the breakdown begins. And if you really don't want to listen to me, which again, folks, like, I don't blame you. Thank you for taking the time to tell me <laughs> what you like and what you don't. But, uh, man, I give you the option, uh, every show format, to uh, make it short or make it the shortest and just steal my knowledge for your own reference and wallets, hopefully. So, please, no offense, take and skip to the end if you want for all my picks and plays. Um, going to be even a shorter episode probably, even though we're not doing this on the Friday morning. Um, just, man, I really overbooked myself this week. <laughs> um, so I'm probably, um, going to, well, I'll get to the next top five as it pertains and remind you guys that I am going on a vacation starting next week, but pre-recorded top fives or a pre-recorded top five will be released next week, and uh, I'll be recording the episode that I teased there with Evil Greg Jackson from McKenzie. Uh, early on next week, you will check the social medias, I hope, as I will hopefully post on all three this time, as opposed to just Twitter, at the PYN Podcast for all three, so you can chime in for the top five when I, I drop that topic for listener lists. Um, yeah, Bellator 250 just concluded. We already recapped, I did a special recap after party show. Thank you for joining me on YouTube and otherwise for UFC 254. Um, I'll touch on a few notes there, but yeah, Bellator 250 just ended. Um, pretty recently, actually. Uh, Gegard Musasi retained. A couple my, uh, fights were removed from COVID. I have not been drinking, folks. I don't know why I'm mixing up my words. I am, I am having some Mexican Coke, though. Mexican Coca-Cola. Get it straight, folks. No, not, not, not. Not the other stuff. Just some good old glass bottle. Mexican joch. Mm. I was never a soda person, and it's terrible. I should stop, but my goodness. A little refresco, especially when you can't have the uh, caffeine uh, late at night uh, through coffee. Uh, or at least I can't, so I'm cheating right now. Um, yeah, a lot of the card got pulled. Uh, Musasi did beat Douglas Lima. Uh, unanimous decision. Had some crazy decisions, uh, you know, all night. Uh, of course, it's an athletic commission, uh, especially, you know, one headed by such an esteemed gentleman like Mike Mazzulli, who showed his class and character, using quotations in case the sarcasm is not coming through to Brandon Gertz. Or <laughs> shout out to Shaq. Uh, Brandon Gerth. <laughs> A Shaq from my man Shaq over there from Fightful. Um, but yeah, Brandon Girth, right? No kidding. Those sweat those sweatpants left nothing to the imagination. I need to stop that talk because there's more than enough coming your guys' way if you like that sort of talk. As far as top five thick fighters go, um, <laughs> as well as a Musasi joke, which would have been apropos for now, uh, but you guys will have to wait to, to for Ben to give that next week. 
Um, yeah, Musasi beat Lima. I had it 48-47. Um, you know, it could have gone a bunch of different ways. It was another one of those scorecards. And, you know, most people on my timeline, thankfully, were sensible. But just on the timeline in general, whether it's me or not, you just get so many people that are just looking to argue. And as if there's not enough to argue right now, folks, right? Jesus, that's too much of that stuff. Um, and it's just silly because... Hey, if they're arguing with me, it's like usually I, I agree with them in the first place. I'm like, who, 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 are, you, who are we shouting at? Um, not that anybody was, but like, but B, like, what just upsets me is like, when, the things people choose to get mad at, it's usually not like the craziest thing of the night or the craziest decision we've seen that week or in this case that night because we had a, a split 30, 27s going the complete opposite way thanks to Doug Crosby there. Um, in the Gertz fight, in fact. Um, but so it, 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 it's just kind of funny. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, if it's a really trusted decision, yeah. But, like, outside of the fighters themselves, unless you're a big better and it's a really bad decision, then, like, fucking fuck yeah, man. Bitch all you want. I ain't going to give you crap. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, But, like, for close competitive things or things where at least there's an argument for, like, save our arguing muscles, folks. There's too much of that going around. Uh, and I definitely don't want to bring that to you on this program. So, especially with just one person, I fucking talk to myself as it is. I don't need to argue with myself, right? Jesus. Uh, all right. Uh, but, you know, I knew Musashi was going to win not just because, by decision, not just because that was uh, just the breakdown I did over at MMAJunkie.com. But uh, Musashi was coming out to uh, a little bit of hate. You know, he comes out to different stuff, but I love when he comes out to hate or glory by proud and pardon the pronunciation but uh like gesefelstein or something it's like some house or music and it's just like like you don't know if he's walking to a cage fight or you know a gay club in a gasper no film like it's that kind of a song you know what i'm saying <laughs> you don't know what's coming your way uh but it's great all right then we get it let's move on to the breakdown <laughs> I'm still a big Lima fan. I was kind of hoping I was wrong that he would upset. I mean, I wouldn't have hated if the decision went his way, but that, that was cool that Musashi got it. Um, and apologies, folks. Is I'll, I'll still be doing Rittens, you know, for the main events for Bellator, but, like, not that this podcast does too much Bellator anyways, but with their Thursday moving Thursday time, we'll, we'll see, because that's right around when this podcast gets recorded. So that's all for Bellator talk. I want to give a, a quick shout-out to my colleague over there, MMA junkie Dave Doyle, who uh, corrected me on the histrionics. Uh, of course, he is someone who can. He has been around and covering uh, this dang sport for a quite hot minute, uh, longer than most. Um, uh, so, uh, But I always reference like The Rock as far as showing up backstage UFC 84, which was a big deal, and he did do it specifically for BJ. However... Albeit for promo work, uh, he was there at UFC 60, the Anaheim show with Matt Hughes. Excuse me. Hoist Gracie, I believe that was, which makes sense because that was like a, a you know, uh, a 10 pole show. If, uh, you know, we're going to use the Coker terms there. That was a big, that was a big show. So that would make sense that The Rock would be doing some promotional stuff um, there. So uh, I got to be careful when I cite that and I want to give credit uh, or credit's due as far as that correction goes. Thank you, Dave. Um, but yeah, uh, I reference the Rocket UFC 84 often because, again, just, and I'm not going to rehash what I've said so many times in last week's episode. Um, but with, uh, you know, as far as like the GOAT talk, I, I still don't believe that enough history is taken into account for. Um, there's more things than just the fighting style. Like, I get it. it it's fun. I've got that contrarian muscle, the analysis muscle. So I'm not hating on anybody that does it. I just think it's. As far as, you know, the GOAT talk, it's just one of my more pet peeves as far as the weird flexes go to say, like, this guy from the modern times that has all this stuff to benefit from would beat the guy who uh, created the division, you know, essentially, uh, after it failed three times and was literally showing technical parallels to the guys who beat the guys that were flexing and saying could go back and beat that guy. So I, I, think, that's, I think that's very unfair. Uh, to the conversation. You can still give credit to the people you want to give credit to. Um, and you can even rank them above these other people without shitting on said people. 
Uh, that being said, when you're getting knocked down in front of the lava shack, it's ultimately hard to defend you amongst other things. So uh, believe me, I'm not trying to die on any hills, and it just sucks to see. It's so argumentative, back to what I was saying real quick, like especially with this goat talk too. Like if you guys notice on here, if I, if I shout people and like they're like, but this person doesn't get along with that person. How does like, I know, it's crazy. Like Dan Tom actually gets along with people or tries to and uh, gives people shouts for doing good things despite – you know, this person not wanting to sit at this person with the lunch table. There's way too much of that, and I'm not going to tell y'all how to live your lives. But yes, God forbid there are people who uh, can, can try to get along with people and try to find the middle grounds, whether it's a silly scorecard in MMA or just giving deserved shouts and uh, making the space livable. And again, not, not, not trying to tell you who to be friends with, folks. Believe me, uh, I'm not. I just... Uh, there's just so much dang decisiveness on my timeline, and I like everybody, and I'm like, why can't we all just get along? Um, the last thing on the GOAT talk is I want to shout out gorgeous George Garcia, MMA Junkie Radio, Triple G Show, of course, Patreon. Uh, he came on to the Line Movement uh, MMA betting show uh, as a guest co-host to come on there with uh, me and Daniel Levy, and it was, uh, it, was, it was a fantastic show. I suggest you guys all check it out. If you haven't already, you can also subscribe to that show on Apple Podcasts. We'll, you know, follow on YouTube. Uh, but but George, you know, w- was talking about that, and he just pretty much in short, and I shared the clip, you know, shares a story about him and Stitch Duran walking in the Mandalay Bay, and they saw Roberto Duran, you know, probably within the last, I guess, five or six years, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, and it's just one of those moments that, you know, even after all this time, it, he still kind of felt those moments and was like, felt like a kid, you know, uh, you know, like a kid in a candy store, even though it was a grown man, you know, and because of the way, you know, Duran, you know, made him and millions of other people feel. And, you know, we choose not to remember the Duran in the early 90s, you know, getting greased up in a Speedo, out of shape, getting ready to box well past his prime, right? Like, those are some really depressing-ass memories. And same with Muhammad Ali, uh, his later career. Um, it, it happened. I'm not saying it didn't. But, like, George summed up the best. Like, those people made you feel something. And we're going to talk about Anderson Silva headlining this card against Uriah Hall. And no matter what happens, um, I am guilty of not bringing up Anderson Silva's name enough in GOAT Talk um, because of this point being made. Because Anderson Silva, you know, uh, was another guy, too, that made you feel things before he fought. Um, And... Again, as disappointing as BJ Penn's career has been, he said so himself before anybody. You know, he said, uh, I don't know if you're going to laugh. I don't know if you're going to cry. I don't know if you're going to get excited or cheer, but you're going to feel something from my fights. And that was true. And the thing with the guys I like, like the Fedor Emelianenko's, the Anderson Silva's of the world, and the BJ Penn's, and it's a caveat for Fedor because of his ridiculous management that prevented a lot of fights. But for the most part, they were not afraid to be the undersized, the smaller man. Um, they were not afraid to fight random no-names. You know, you say, oh, Fedor fought... Like, you know, you can look at it like that or you look at it like he also was risking his his legacy against freak show fights or, you know, relative no-names. Um, you know, James Irvin moving up 205 to fight James Irvin. Uh, you know, who's risking more there? Uh, Anderson Silva certainly was. And, of course, we all know BJ Penn's courageousness that ended up biting him in the ass, of course, right? Um, and uh, I don't know. I just value value that... I value that a lot. I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying I do. And it's okay if you disagree with me. And it's okay that other people have a different opinion than you. It's super subjective. That's why you seldom hear me talk um, about goat or pound for pound talk. And if you do, I'm reminding people of the categories that often go undervalued or many times not mentioned at all. Or as far as pound for pound, you will hear me parallel the auto industry because, to my knowledge, that's where the term comes from. At least they were using it before uh, combat sports, not just MMA, but even boxing, I believe. Um, early auto industry and that whole arms race. You know, they were trying to say, well, how was the handling, not just the horsepower? How does, it, how does that match with the torque? The torque to the handling, to the overall horsepower, the durability of the vehicle, uh, the reliability, and you all, the, all, it wasn't just one thing. And that is the overall point. I'm not going to die on a hill as far as who. 
Um, but that's it. All right, under 15 minutes. Let's jump to the breakdown. UFC Vegas 12, if I didn't kill my audience already. We're going to break this down from top to bottom. Uh, and, oh, shout out to the Verbal Tap Podcast and the Sound of Violence Podcast at TSOV Pod, who gives me too much mention. Uh, but I, I, I got to give them a shout because they deserve it at least. All right, breakdown. Here we go. 15 minutes. Pull up some odds and ends here. All right. Excuse me. All right, we got Uriah Hall minus 225, Anderson Silva plus 185. Hmm. Ha ha ha. Main in-depth breakdown is going to be up at MMA Junkie. I think the video is already out. Um, I was a bit late with everything going on. Uh this week um, to get my the written part of it out. Uh, it's always a bit sluggish for me. And uh, so that should be jump, dropping as well. So don't don't worry for those people who appreciate the tradition. Tradition. Uh, sing, singing more Fiddler on the Roof songs again. <laughs> Shout out to my Jewish brothers and sisters. All right. Uh, so we got Hall. Uh, I essentially picked Hall and I picked him inside the distance. You know, I would probably usually go contrarian, either pick decision or later in the fight. Because um, you know, I picked Anderson Silva, or I picked Adesanya to beat Anderson Silva by decision, which seemed like a surprise to people for some reason before and still after. But uh, again, something that I I, I pres- I'm presume that Hall, or at least I would not be surprised. I should say I'm picking Hall. I would not be surprised if he's susceptible to it, uh, as Adesanya was as well. Where you know you could really lobby the criticism of you know were they asking for autographs in there to quote you know my co-host or were they you know, kind of just struck by the the, the fandom. I'm going to say to my breakdowns, he's a, you know, Anderson, I love Anderson Silva, but the man's a con man in there. He's still one of the craftiest foxes to trot across the forest. Uh, that is the landscape of MMA, folks. Um, and, uh, you know, whether, whether he's stalking you or smirking or smiling, everything he's doing or even not doing is for a reason. Um, he can make a lot out of very little. You know, we talk about these guys, the, the Alistair Overeems of the world, um, Vitor Belfort, you know, if you look at that Nate Marquardt, t- t- UFC 211 fight. Um, quoting a lot of guys who could fight from Southpaw here and have been around for a while, but that savvy veteran striking where they know how to win rounds off of landing very little. They just can win them off of moments. Anderson Silva is absolutely that guy. Um, he still is that guy. Uh, of course, he's not as effective, he's not as dangerous, he's not as consistent, but at his heart, that's kind of who he is. Um, and the dangerous part, obviously, of your style being navigating high-risk situations is that, of course, as we know, stereotypically anyways, speed is the last thing to go. So uh, that, that could be the difference here. Your Rye Hall, you know, is no spring chicken at recently turned 36, I believe. However, it is middleweight. He is still a very um, athletic individual, not at the risk of sounding, is it racist, racist, racist? Uh, I hate using that descriptor. It feels really lazy and borderline racist, racist. Uh, but Uriah Hall is still very fast. Um, I don't think anybody can deny that. And what I like about shifting shop over uh, to Fortis MMA is that Coach Safe Sayud seems to have him back on his jab, firing that. That's always been a weapon that I love. Like going back to the, uh, going back to his Thiago Santos fight, um, his uh, Ron Stallings fight. Ron Stallings. I mean, that guy looks like he was teleported from 1986. Where they pull that guy from? <laughs> Dan, don't be a jerk. I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So I I like that he's back on that. And one thing that surprised me, I didn't realize when breaking him down before. It's been a while since I've done an in depth, and so perhaps that's why. Um, is that Uriah Hall quietly is consistent with the leg kicks? It's not uncommon within a three round affair to see him um, not just throw but land in the twenties to even thirties sometimes. Uh, even against southpaws like Christoph Yoko, who he beat. But in case you, you forgot, it was. <laughs> getting tuned up for the majority of that fight. So pretty impressive, all things considered. Um, now you factor that in with Anderson Silva. Of course, he's had, and justfully so, insecurity. Offense, uh, throwing offense as well as absorbing offense with 
really both legs, frankly, you know, um, as far as that goes after the gruesome injury sustained at UFC 168, of course, in the rematch to Chris Weidman. Uh, and crazy, you mentioned Chris Weidman. Both these guys have similar losses in similar fashions because both are, you know, and Uriah Hall less so, more fundamental, which I think is going to help him shine through here. But, yes, both guys can be very reliant on that head and trunk movement, their reactive uh, creativity that they love and fall in love with with offense and make people fall in love with them on the highlight reels at least um, can really cost them defensively. Um, you know, so it's good that Hall seems to be trying to shore up more of his fundamentals defensively as well as offensively. If he can stick to that, I think he can do well here. And even if he is being a true martial artist, that being the worry and his personality, I'm sure he's not beyond harboring feelings you know i just got done listening to aaron bronstetter's uh interview with them uh shout out to the tsn mma show um and yeah it was like you know even to start off the back, like just another fight just another, like you know and i appreciate that but it was like one of those obvious overly like you could see what he's doing which is almost like admitting that anyone from my dumbass suspicions to any any other joker that wants to throw him out there yeah maybe there's something there right so that is a worry here, folks, and that's probably kept me away um, from playing Uriah Hall or using him as a parlay piece. And, you know, I think you can get plus money if he wins by TKO, like I think he is. I think plus 140, depending on where you're looking. I think it's going to be a leg kick TKO by the third round, which is my official, because even if he is a bit hesitant to hurt Silva, I'm honestly not sure how durable he is at 45 years old and coming off these leg kick stoppages, you know. Um I think it's a lot less guilty to throw a leg kick at somebody than to even just jab them lightly in the face from a psychological standpoint. If, per se, you maybe didn't want to hurt them, you're still hurting them very badly, obviously, but you know what I'm saying? There's something about the face that feels more personal. So uh, I, I, I'm going to go with leg kick TKO. Um, I think the under, which I think is minus 125, bit chalky, but I think that's kind of the middle ground, both from a betting line perspective uh, between the money lines um, to results to angles. I think um, all roads as far as if you're going to even, if there is such thing as a safe angle in this fight or any fight uh, goes, then yeah, maybe that under is worth looking at under 4.5. Next fight, Bryce Mitchell, minus 135, Andre Feely plus 115. Man, I went back and forth on this one. Um I don't really have to admit it because uh, for staff picks, because someone who's on the staff picks with me was on the betting show with me that is Gorgeous George, where I picked Andre Feely, but have since uh, moved with the public, uh, even though the public actually is bringing the line a bit back tighter to earth because this is a pick and fight to me, in my opinion. So in that case, you could definitely justify a case for the underdog. Perhaps that's why I lean that way. Love my Polynesian brother too, Andre Feely. Pizza for Feely, eat one for Feely. Underrated Feely, underrated with the wrestling that you can see in the Dennis Bermuda's fight Feely. Got some nice jab in that Miles Jury fight Feely, but tends to fight close if he can't blow guys out of the water. And Bryce Mitchell, although I don't see why he can't be knocked out um, like anybody else. He doesn't have a giant Khabib head um, or anything like that. However, he does have that, you know, kind of grappling heavy style where your striking exchanges are going to be super limited. And in the smaller cage, it's going to be even more limited, which kind of swayed me. That, and it was kind of a clutching pick. And all my histories with clutching picks is that um, if it's a fighter that ah, I really like, he's going to lose. If it's a fight, I don't want to say dislike, because really there's not really many, hardly of any of those at all. Um, I'm pretty good about separating things. And even if I don't like someone, you know, what they're into, I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah, they're evil person. I don't like them. Like, it's too much of that in the world. Um, but like, like a guy like Bryce Mitchell, who I've been just dead wrong about, admittedly so. Right? I keep underestimating this guy. I'm like, you know, who's this goofy dude? Like, how's he? You know, I got shorts. I I got short every fucking color. You guys knew that 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 impression was gonna come. to Take a shot. Long time PYN podcast listeners. So I drink some Coke. But it's like. Okay, this ain't going to last forever. So I almost feel like this unfair bias against him. I guess that's what I'm trying to say with Bryce Mitchell. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, I know that if if I lose a clutching pick, it's def- it's always going to be to the person with just that, like, you didn't want to, like, you just, you know, that makes you, sh- not just getting the pick wrong, but kind of makes you shake your fist. Uh, so I'm like, you know what, I can already see this loss coming. 
Um, if I'm wrong, I'll just be wrong with everybody else, which is always easier to do, right? Um, but no, honestly, it's, it's that small cage, it's the style, and it is the consistent fight-to-fight improvements. That's part of the reason why I keep getting a, a wrong beat on Bryce Mitchell since he came off the show. Um, he just keeps getting better, you know? I had that loss to Brad Katona burnt into my head, and talk about guys who, like, I have a bad beat on. Brad Katona's another guy I have a bad beat on. So, like, you throw two guys that you have bad beats on, and they have questionable wins or losses over each other, it totally just fucked up my read, man. It really, it really scrambled me. So do not follow me on this fight. However, I do think it's fair to say, regardless of what side you're on, that I think we can agree that this is a money line or bust as far as betting angles go. You know, it's it's a playable favorite. If you like Mitchell, and you're getting plus money on a more experienced, proven guy in Feely, if you like Feely. Um, but... Ultimately, it was that Sadiq use of sample size as well that also swayed me. I forgot about the Kimura sweep, the top control, and, you know, he fought his way back in the fight, but I don't know if Bryce Mitchell will let him, and obviously he lost that fight even though he fought his way back into it. So, yeah, I'm going to go Bryce Mitchell. I hope I'm wrong here. Next fight, Greg Hardy minus 335, Maurice Green minus 275. Do you mind if we dance with your dates? Sorry to quote Animal House there because that time Maurice Green recreated that scene by crushing my tiny hand. <laughs> After I, it was literally like I got my cast off <laughs> that week. And uh, <laughs> Maurice Green reaches for a handshake when I wasn't ready at the Junkie Studio and I had my headset on so I was plugged in. Uh, so I could only go so far, and he was on my right side, so I couldn't, and I was like giving everyone left-handed handshakes to protect that hand, but I didn't want to be rude, and I was in a pinch, and the guy had to go. So I was like, fuck it, I reached my right hand, I'm like, why did you do that? And just this giant, almost seven-foot man just engulfs my tiny brown little hand. I'm like, oh, oh please let go, it's nice to meet you. Uh, not as scary as uh, meeting other people, which I will talk about in next week's show. <laughs> But uh, I will always remember the crochet boss for that. Would not be upset if I was wrong here and he won, but it was hard. it's hard not to pick Hardy. Even at these inflated odds, like I always say, you should always squint at over a 2-1 to one spread on a heavyweight fight. Um, even if, but especially if they are not proven products. Uh, however, um, despite Hardy almost becoming more of a... I wouldn't go so far as to call him a point fighter, but he definitely has a more scoring-friendly style as he's been showing to uh, be able to go three rounds in winning or losing efforts, right? Um, so there is something there. Uh, however, even though I would usually like to be contrarian and play an over, especially now for plus money as it's looking to switch, um, although in my betting article it'll come out as plus money, um, I still think it's takeable at minus 105, which is what I'm seeing at at least the house that I use. Some houses are still tracking plus money. Uh, but I think the over is going to hit because we're back at the apex, and we've seen Greg Hardy um, in the smaller cage. He tends to find that finish much more. And Maurice Green, um, he's a lot of offense, but not a lot of not a lot of defense. And furthermore... Uh, I don't think he's going to present the footwork. In fact, um, if Greg Hardy does go old school, or even if not, I've seen guys kind of crash into green, and he just kind of has a weird balance and hitch because he's so tall, even though he's getting into better shape, um, that you know I've seen him just kind of fall backwards. Like A lot of times he ends up on his button fights. It's not because he's taken down. It's because he was off balance and knocked down, and not even knocked down by like a clean strike. So... Unless Greg Hardy knocks him down or it's one of those scenarios and Greg Hardy falls him to the floor while he's fresh and dry in the first and gets submitted, that is the only way I see Greg Hardy losing this fight. Um, otherwise, I think Greg Hardy rolls here. It's a, I, I'm, I'm still probably going to put it in a for fun parlay since I always bet my main card picks, uh, my staff picks for fun. But um, like small, obviously, folks, relax. But like... Uh, I feel like the middle ground here, at least the shot and the angle I'm going to take, you don't have to follow me off that cliff, but uh, I'm on the under here, 1.5 uh, for plus money, especially if you can get it at that. Um, you know, Definitely don't hate the sprinkle. I already played it. Uh, I think it cashes here, um, regardless of who wins, but I think uh, it's Hardy by TKO. 
Next fight, Bobby King Green, back up to minus 320. Tiago Moises, plus 260. Again, you guys know where I'm going here, folks. You guys know where I'm going. Bobby the King of Quarantine Green, baby. He cashed with the Green Quarantine Parlay. He cashed even before that for us. Bobby Green has been good to the Protect Your Neck podcast and the Line Movement Familia. Uh, hopefully he's been good for you too. And not to pat myself on the back, uh, especially if he, God forbid, goes out and loses. Uh, not going to win. It doesn't happen. Um, again, Green and Kevin Holland, who gave us a close scare, and I wasn't as confident in his original matchup, obviously. It's only going to be uh, pretty much unbettable chalk once a late line gets released on Charlie. On Tiveros, checking notes. Um, but I, I said guys specifically like Bobby Green and Kevin Holland are going to do well in this pandemic era because they can talk shit uh, to get in their opponent's head, except even if the judges don't like it, which I have that theory of close rounds, they'll score against shit like that because they're human beings, whether it's fair or not. Um, the counter to that is even though they hear the shit talking better, they hear the shots landed better. Bobby Green, most people are focusing on his low hands or his crap talking, but they're not seeing that he, they're trying to get in his opponent's head. He's getting the throw because he's a counter striker who is effective from both stances, from start to finish, coming forward off the counter. He can make hay, um, and he's been really feeling himself. I mean, we're just seeing everything come together from the clinch. And if he wasn't underrated enough as a fighter or as a striker, he is criminally underrated as a wrestler and scrambler, folks. I mean, I, I should have gone even bigger, um, you know, uh, d d despite, you know, calling it and, you know, thanks for the props on the last one. But really, no, I, I, I don't even know if I could take it because I still feel like I should have even went bigger. And it seemed like the public kind of learned because this opened at minus 250 and got bet up to where the line should have been bet up and open to in his last few fights. Um, but I think the Moises name generates some respect because he checks all the boxes. He's the young guy. He has the hype from the regional scene. He's got the Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. He, he's, his dad brought him in and indoctrinated him into martial arts. He's got the cross-training in American top team. The Instagram game is on point. But I'm not fucking convinced when I watch the dude fight. Ever. Um, very, he has moments. I'm, there's no process there that I'm convinced of. I don't like the boxing. I think his counters are pretty wild. Unless he hits him with a wild counter or a head kick from the open stance, I don't think he's going to do it. And he's faced some goddamn good head kickers, win or lose, in Edson Barbosa or Josh Thompson. That is the king, Bobby Green, who is still in his prime despite all his experience. Maybe toward the end of it, sure, but still in his prime. And I think he's going to put a sunning on this young kid. Moises is 25. He is in the age where improvements are expected. But, and again, putting the unfair, which it's always unfair for these kids to get hyped, folks. Nothing personal against Moises here. If anything, sympathy. Um, you know, however, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't see it, man. I'm not... Impressed. Furthermore, you look at all his losses or bad moments in fights. This kid does not do well against Southpaws. First loss against Jason Knight back when Jason Knight fought a lot more Southpaw early on in his career. Then he fights Robert Watley, who schools him. Watley's a Southpaw, not nearly um, you know, better the level than his resume gives him credit for. I'm not trying to shit on the man, but let's be honest. Not the kind of level that Moises is trying to contend with and being matched up with already and now. Loses to, uh, who else was another Southpaw? Uh, Benil Dariush, of course. Uh, Benny, which wasn't, you know, cr crazy, especially in hindsight or foresight, right? Um, and, yeah, he beat Michael Johnson, but he was getting schooled for the first round by a Southpaw um, until Michael Johnson gives a fight away that he's winning by submission, which happens all the time. Um, I liked uh, Mr. Turner, uh in the last fight because he, too, could fight from some Southpaw stance as well. And uh, I was going to pick Turner there. I'm picking Bobby Green here. The line is wider here than it was with Turner, as it should. Um, and I know Bobby Green wants to fight so much, so it's not the organization disrespecting him per se. I'm just saying in general, I, I'm just disappointed. I wish he deserves bigger names, like after proving himself for the umpteenth goddamn time. So in case you can't tell, your boy here went big on Bobby Green on a parlay that's going to come out on the line movement betting sheet. And... Um, I'm waiting for some movement here to see if I can maybe go get, get a little lower. 
I think that if people were as confident as I was, I would have seen it by now. I don't think, knock on wood, we're getting higher than minus 320. So I'm going to wait for just a little bit of a droppage. I'm going to try to get to minus 300 or under, and either way, even if I do, doesn't get there, let's just say I'm going to smash this line larger than most people max bet, and that's Mr. Small Bet Dan Tom. Um, not saying you need to follow me off this cliff. I'm just saying. Sometimes you got to pick your spots, and uh, if you keep getting proven right on a certain trend, and they're going to give us a similar matchup, obviously Moise is much better than Patrick, much different fighter, folks, but let's be honest, a similar matchup. Um, and, and Moises ain't a game over ground game. You know, he went for the leg lock. That was great. That wasn't very IBJJF where most of his accolades in the gi are. But I'm, you know me, I'm not very big on IBJJF um, competition uh, for many reasons now, I guess. But, you know, as far as what they breed, it's just more of that positional. And I know I'm getting into the gi world, so I really need to stop talking shit and embrace it more. But it's more of that positional sport jujitsu stuff that I'm not really as much of a fan of as far as the... Catching his catch can, the violent art. All right, Dan, this isn't a standing grappling arts podcast. Next fight, um, Alexander Hernandez, minus 420, man. Uh, Chris Gritzmacher, Gritz, Gritz, plus 335. Grindy Gritz, if you can't tell the way uh, I said his name. Um, you know, I was looking for a reason to, to bet the dog here and sprinkle on him, but, but Alexander Hernandez... You know, Gritzmacher's got underrated Muay Thai clinch and body work, so the fact that he's going to Factory X slash a, uh, a Muay Thai-centric camp, you know, that, that that's familiar, is a very good move. So I like that Hernandez spent a lot of time there. Was that fight ready before? Looks like he's been training all throughout the pandemic, despite us not seeing him during this pandemic. Um, same with Gritzmacher, although more of a makeshift camp. Um, like I said, it's a shot on Fred and Pajau. But if you see Fred Zimpajau in your camp, you know it's a makeshift camp considering you only see that guy really in Roy Nelson's camp <laughs> for the most part. And Roy Nelson is, you know, to his own devices, man. He does it himself, so it's not a diss. But, uh, you know, he constructs his own camp. So we'll see if that works better for Grits. And, again, not a shout at any of those guys. I'm just trying to highlight that parallel. Um, as people know, there's, you know, Chris Gritzmacher has not had the best uh, history with certain camps before. So uh, that's the only reason why I bring it up, not to not to S on anybody, but it's because it's relevant. Uh, but speaking of not to S on anybody and risking getting your ass kicked. <laughs> oh, man, I was just looking at Gritzmacher. I'm like, that is a scary guy to have coming at, after you, man. I mean, you know, especially in those fights where he just has, like, some type of, type of a dread, dreadlock haircut. I mean, he is the... He he's the trolliest looking cat, right? I mean, it's just terrifying. And I'm not talking about like internet troll. Like, I'm talking about, you know, he looks like he helped Jennifer Connolly through the labyrinth maze. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, you're gonna get your ass kicked. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, labyrinth reference there, David Bowie. Huh? Speaking of speaking of pants that left nothing to the imagination, Dan, can you just focus on the breakdown? Uh, stop making inappropriate jokes. All right, all right. I'm sorry, folks. Um, yeah, I, I, basically in short, um, I'm still going to pick Hernandez here. I'm not playing him. Uh, I wasn't going to play him for in the minus 300s, much less the minus 400s. Um, so I'm going to revert to the advice on the line movement MMA betting show in case you haven't heard the, it already. Uh, shouts to my man, gorgeous George, who just said, man, wait and see how Gritzmacher looks in that first round. If Hernandez, you know, who can blow his load sometimes, you know, goes hard and gets like a definitive 10-9, but not like a 10-8. Then you know you're probably gonna have a real tempting line to go to go toss on Grits, who's already a ridiculous dog as it is. So, I think that's the safe way if you're looking to play Grits. If you already played him, I don't blame you at the line. You know what I'm saying? Um, but my pick here is gonna be um, Marky Mark from Fear, aka Alexander Hernandez. Wow, oh, Dan, you're just trying to make money. I'm just trying to make it fair. All right. <laughs> Next fight, Sean Strickland, minus three sixty five. Jack the Hammer Marshman, plus three oh five. Um, yeah, man, this uh, this uh, S show. Um, a little more confident in Strickland after hearing you know Gorgeous George provide some uh, you know nah you know insight in the set. You know, he's not not overstepping his bounds. Respectful, not, not saying anything crazy. Just saying that you know Strickland's moving around the gym good for a guy who uh, was in a really bad accident. Right, you, you know uh, we didn't hear anything from Strickland. Uh, however, you know. Uh, 
I, I like it if he's an extreme couture. However, the story is that, again, shout out to the TSN MMA show. Uh, the Joe, either Joe Valtellini or someone they interviewed shared about Sean Strickland, like just hanging out like a nomad at the UFCPI, just asking everybody, you know, and their proverbial mothers, like if like they can spar and get rounds in to the point where these people went to like the Starbucks offsite and the barista in the drive-thru were like, were you with that guy in front? Or something, and like it was like Sean Strickland that came in earlier or something, and it was like, yeah, I was like a bald UFC fighter was asking me if I could get some rounds in with him. So, I mean, Strickland's asking everybody to spar, and and I know that's not surprising if a um, you've interviewed or have really followed interviews with Sean Strickland as far as you know he's an out there dude, <laughs> or b as far as like you know crazy sparring habits goes. I mean, this guy loves to spar and has. Uh, you know, done some uh, rounds with uh, at gyms uh, that like to spar, like uh, Kings MMA with people who like to spar hard, like Verdum. So, um, you know, the stories are out there. Uh, so it, it really shouldn't be that surprising, I suppose. Um, but if he does come in here anywhere like he is, uh, I think he does beat Marshman. I do like he's like that he's back up at middleweight. Perhaps we see that Tarzan Strickland when he had the long hair. You guys remember Tarzan? Um, arguably a more, uh, you know, a Strickland had more bite to him. I don't know if it was the weight cuts that was draining him. We'll see if he's reinvigorated. Jack Marshman, you know, we haven't seen him, I believe, during the pandemic. But this guy's got, you know, this guy got to imagine is used to training during crazy times. The paratrooper who went like Frank Duke's AWOL like multiple times to fight, uh, which probably explains why he missed weight in retrospect um, those times. But, yeah, this guy's used to crazy preparations. So, if Strickland gives him a boxing fight, I'll tell you it's going to be a lot closer to the line. But if Strickland exercised, I believe he got his finally got his black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Either way, he's going to have a, a, a clear ground advantage here. Um, let's see if he tries to use it. Next fight, Jason Witt, minus 145. Cole Williams, plus 125. Cole Williams got beat by um, Claudio Silva. New level. Uh, and, uh, I don't know about Jason Witt. Let's see what the hell Jason Witt do. You could tell I taped this fight, right? Yeah, surprise, surprise of this pandemic. Yeah, I'm going on vacation soon, folks. Talking Nora Sato. So they're both coming off losses to Southpaws with grappling bases, but losses in different ways. Um, I feel like both these guys are supposed to be lightweights. I don't know. I'll go with the Glory MMA and Fitness guy and Jason Witt. Um... Uh, over Cole Williams, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't follow me off a cliff. I'm not putting this or anything on the avoid list, even though it feels like I should say the avoid list like I usually would for fights I didn't tape. However, um, just because I didn't tape it doesn't mean you didn't, and just because I'm not playing something or was too lazy to see an angle, that doesn't mean that uh, you know uh, you weren't. So I'm not going to talk you off uh, that cliff in case you are that guy. Uh, good luck to you, but I will reluctantly pick Wit in a fight that I clearly did not tape. Next fight, Dustin Jacoby, minus 350, the comeback on Justin Ledette, plus 290. Um, Jacoby opened at minus 170, which is much more down to earth. Uh, I feel like minus 200 is still playable within that range. I still jumped on the juice, though. And made Jacoby um, the second leg next to Bobby Green. Got one more to close it out for plus money. Uh, just because even though you know he, I gave him a, a B on the grading the winners for a contender series. And it was because it was a fight that he almost gassed himself out if he wasn't careful. He was able to save it. And you know the cut that he sustained was due to a headbutt, by the way. So I think that and body language, which is another canary in the coal mine that seems to get proven right. Body language can win you fights. Um, this is another reason why it's important to be urgent, like we saw with the Musasi-Lima fight. Lima's kicks way harder, which is why I will, don't blame anybody for siding with him for rounds than Musasi's pitter-patter kicks. But Musasi had the urgency, and he was working harder. Or he put off the image that he was working harder. So body language is big. So I think that um, Jacoby was victim to a lot of that as well. And keep in mind, this is the first season of Dana White Contender Series, you know, st still toward the middle of the pandemic area. So you don't know how much training these guys were getting. You got to cut him some slack. That said, he's back in MMA, got some fights underneath his belt. He's back in the apex again, so he's going to be extra familiar. And facing a guy who, you know, I mean, I, I like Ledette when he first came on, but... um. 
if the flat earth and all the other crazy stuff wasn't a, wasn't a warning sign. And then he comes in like, you know, with his last camp. Did he spend the pandemic just trying to look like George Masvidal the whole time? Or like, <laughs> what's going on? I, I just I just don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, and I want to like Ledette for that sweet, sweet freaking mullet, man. But um, if he's going to do a striking contest with a guy who can kick, clinch, uh, as well as throw hands, uh, I like Jacoby here, man. Um, so I don't know if he's going to get finish him uh, or it's going to get like another ugly third round, but um, I don't see Ledette being able to finish him. So I'll take Jacoby to outwork and uh, just, just essentially outwork him like everybody everybody does who beats Ledette for the most part. Um, all right, next fight. Courtney Casey minus 260. Priscilla Cachoeira, uh, plus 220. Yeah, this fight hasn't really moved much, and I get it because it is kind of steep. I, I'm picking Casey here for sure. I'm just still not sure if I want to, like, you know, I didn't, you know, she's not in my big parlay, put it that way, because, you know, I don't see Cachoeira submitting her. That's the only, you know, she hasn't been, you know, knocked out yet. So unless she gets knocked out, you know, she should win, but she also has a style where she makes fights close, man. And Priscilla Cachoeira has got her confidence back and got her knees repaired. So we'll see what happens. Um, what's the over in that fight looking like? That over is juiced to all hell. Yeah. Good luck if you're taking any shots anywhere. Um, Kevin, that TV dad, plus 130. Um, is <laughs> facing, stop singing my name like that. Uh, Miles Johns, minus 150. Um, I didn't take this fight, fair warning. However, I did pick uh, Kevin Navidad because he's fought in the pandemic era. Even though he tested positive for COVID. We don't know how he's going to debut. But Miles Johns gasses at bantamweight and I can't trust it with my heart. Sorry, you guys made me sing that breakdown. Uh, but yeah, essentially I can't trust trust a dude who shows the slowdown at the lower weight classes. That's the biggest flag of all flags for me. He's with a camp that I love, Fortis MMA. Um, but uh, but yeah, that gas tank. So I'll, I'll take uh, Kevin Natividad. Uh, I may sprinkle on them for fun, but folks, I did not tape it. It's just one of the few picks that I made on this card with, has a plus number next to it. So, whatever, take that for what it's worth. Um, Adrian Yanez minus four fifty now. Jesus Christ, I think I juiced even for already juiced line. Victor Rodriguez, not Vic Rodriguez. Shout out to uh, podcaster and. Uh, one of my favorite follows on Twitter there. Uh, plus 360 um, for the Alaska native. Again, short notice replacement from that Alaska scene. Like, unless you're that dude, whatever, Urso or whatever that that, that guy was, uh, lightweight. Like, you know, hasn't been too many good people that came off that scene. So, whereas Yanez, who not only is better than him on the ground, we don't really see it much, is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt. Um, he's got those boxing chops that looks like a young Jorge Vasvidal, man. Uh, so you know I'm all about those boxing jiu-jitsu stylists. Um, so he's he's going to be fun. It was funny. I actually put on my grading the winners for Yanez, who, of course, he scored ridiculously high for me, um, even though it was a quick fight. Uh, I wanted him to face Miles Johns, see if he could get that back, because a lot of his losses, like split decisions, like early in his career. And this dude's only like 25 or something. He's already He's only like a kid already. Like when he was really even younger than that, right? Um, but they didn't do it. However, one of the fights they did follow from it. Um, yeah, Jacoby. Um, I suggested Justin Ledette, and the matchmakers put that one together. It looks like so that was it's always cool to see uh, when I when I'm able to get it right. Um, so yeah, I want Adrian Yanez. I, th I think he was like closer to minus four hundred to be honest. Um, and I think Jacoby was closer to minus three hundred along with Green. Something like that, I think. So that's why it was like plus 109 or plus 10, 110. Um, I put th just three units on that for those three. It's stupid. It's a three-leg parlay. It's a parlay in MMA. Uh, don't follow me off that cliff. Don't be mad if it doesn't cash. I can't be mad because it's a madman's game to even be parlaying MMA. But I'm also honest for better, mainly worse in this podcast. So that's what I played. Lastly but not leastly, Kevin Holland who I was going to pick but not as confidently against Mahmoud Muradov, who tested positive for COVID, in steps Charlie Antiveros, who just generated a whole bunch of, like, 
Yu-Gi-Oh! early 90s rap album jokes. Um, I can't hate. He's handsome. He's more handsome than I am. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, good luck to him here. But I- I'm going to take Kevin Holland. All right, that's it. How did we do? How did we do? 40 Jesus, still longer than I thought. All right, recapping from top to bottom. Taking Uriah Hall over Anderson Silva. Taking Bryce Mitchell over Andre Feely. I got shorts every fucking color. Uh, taking Greg Hardy over Maurice Green. Taking Bobby the King Green over Tiago Moises. Taking Alexander Hernandez, a.k.a. Mark Wahlberg from Fear, over Chris Gritzmacher. Um, taking Sean Strickland over Jack Marshman. Taking Jason Witt over Cole Williams. Taking du- Justin Jacoby over Justin Ledette. Taking Courtney Casey over Priscilla Cachoeira. Taking Kevin Navidad over Miles Johns. Taking Adrian Yanez over Victor Rodriguez. Taking Kevin Holland over Charles Antiveros. Played green Jacoby Yanez, plus 109, plus 110. Neighborhood of three units. Didn't play anything straight. May sprinkle on Navidad. Took props. Uh, Hardy Green under plus 105 for half a unit. And uh, I just, for a quarter unit, because that's all I had for my free play, I actually sprinkled on draw plus 5,000 for um, Hernandez Gritz, because really a 10-8 early for Hernandez or a 10-8 late for Gritz um, is also on the table. So I sprinkled on that. All right, thank you guys for the support. As always, I'll still be here even though I'm on vacation. Uh, got a bunch of things still dropping, uh, MMA and non-MMA, actually, uh, as of this night. So you'll probably see me post about that. Uh, in the meantime, you can support this podcast, which is free and will remain free. Supported, hosted by MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. To the right, you can find click-throughs for a PayPal if you're feeling so generous. Otherwise, go ahead and click through the on it for your on it shopping banner or the Amazon banner through your Amazon shopping uh, and it, whatever you buy essentially takes a small percentage of your sale and no extra cost to you. Shoots it right back to this year podcast. You can count. That's where it goes uh, at no extra cost. Or you can always just share, whether it's by word of mouth, positive ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, on YouTube. Please help me grow that one out at our Daniel Tom MMA. Appreciate those of you who have already subscribed. Going to keep pumping out content your way despite being on vacation, in fact. So good luck on your picks and plays this weekend, folks. And always protect your neck.